Hello, we have a fun mailbag episode of Draft Class for you today where we talked about the early entry withdrawal deadline in the NBA draft. We talked about draft rumors and some of the defensive concerns for DeAndre Ayton and whether they're overblown or not. But before we get into that, let me tell you about our sponsors. Today's Ring RNBA show, Draft Class, is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals on incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can also book in advance for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. It's easy. Book hotels in 10 seconds and just three taps and a swipe. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. Today's draft class is also brought to you by TheRinger.com. On the site today, there's a lot of great NBA Finals content. We got John Gonzalez on Cleveland's Other Guys, Brian Curtis on NBA Press Conference Theater, and then we have a bunch of reactions to Game 1 of the NBA Finals, and we're going to have coverage all throughout the rest of the Finals, so make sure to stay plugged in on TheRinger.com. Also, on the Ringer Podcast Network, please check out the J.J. Reddick Podcast. J.J. just had NBPA Director Michelle Roberts. It's a very interesting conversation with her. And last but not least, NBA Desktop with Jason Concepcion is back. It's the best show on TV, and it's not even on TV. Go check that out on the Ringer's YouTube channel and all of our social media pages. And now, it's time for Draft Class. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. My name is Kevin O'Connor, and this is Draft Class. Calling in from Dallas, Texas, it's a Ringer staff writer, Jonathan Charks. What's up, guys? It's finals day. Wish I was more excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're recording this on Thursday, and you'll be hearing it on Friday. But yes, today is game one of the finals. That's why usually Danny Chow is sitting across from me in LA, but I'm here in SF. So unfortunately, I'm not able to see you, Danny, but he's on the show today. Danny, what's going on? It's real lonely without you, buddy. Hey, man, but you do have Isaac there. I'm not on the level of the great Kevin O'Connor. We also got like a wall between us. Is your back turned to Isaac right now, Danny? No, I'm actually sitting in your seat right now. Okay. And so we can't see each other. We can only hear each other through the mics. Yeah, he's just this disembodied voice. (laughs) Anyway, our music is provided by the band Oso Oso, and the podcast is produced by Isaac Lee. Let's do it. first Friday of the month, which means it's mailbag week. So thank you everybody for submitting so many great questions for today's podcast. We're going to get to those in a minute, but this week was the NBA's early entry withdrawal deadline and a lot actually happened in the rumor mill as well. So we're going to start off with that. May 30th was the deadline for prospects testing the waters to stay in the draft or go back to college. Danny, who were some of the key players staying in the draft this year? Yeah, so it was interesting. We had two Kentucky bigs in Wenyon Gabriel and Jared Vanderbilt who decided to stay in the draft. We have two, the Lenovo guys in Omari Spellman and Dante DiVincenzo, Georgia Tech's Josh Okoge, who we all love, and my guy, Kevin Herter. Let's go. He's in. Yeah, I mean, how much money has he made in the last two weeks? Feels like he's made a lot of money. Yeah, so Kevin, like you saw him at the Combine. We've heard so many reports about how good he looked. What specifically stood out? Well, Herter shot the ball well, for sure. 
I mean, we already knew he could do that at Maryland, but it was nice to see him doing it against a higher level of competition. A lot of good defensive players on the other end of the floor. But also, Danny, the thing that I think is underrated with him is his passing ability. He has good vision off the dribble. And again, that was encouraging to see him doing it against quality defensive players. I think personally, and I know you feel the same, Danny, he could easily rise into the middle of the first round. My biggest thing with him watching him in Maryland was that, you know, you looked at his body and you're like, oh man, can he get much stronger? But earlier this month, he took a picture with a bunch of his teammates <laughs> in a workout in a gym and the dude was freaking yoked. Like his arms were huge. I don't actually know how he measured at 194 pounds because he looks bigger than that. I wonder if it's like last year. Remember the photo of Markel Fultz looking absolutely ripped right before the draft? Maybe he'll slim down a little bit, but still, he did look like he was a little bit stronger when I did see him in person, which is encouraging. Yeah, and all of his athletic tests were pristine. Like, he was a plus athlete across the board. Charks, what do you think about people comparing him to Clay Thompson? Is it outrageous, or is there a little bit of truth to it? I mean, Clay's a hard guy to come to. Clay is such an outlier in terms of his ability to impact the game without really ever dribbling. Like, I don't know that he'll be an all-star that ever dribbles. I could see more like... To stick within the racial comparison, I could see a better Kyle Korver. <laughs> I think that's more realistic. It's not inconceivable because like great shooter, really big, pretty good feel for the game. I wouldn't go that far though. Clay Thompson's ambitious. Yeah, and in the draft guide, the comparisons we have for him are discounts Clay Thompson, Alan Crabb, and Nick Stauskas. Obviously, with a lot of these players. A wide range of outcomes for them depends so much on situation, which is why for some players, it's best to go back, get another year of development in, and then go to the draft. And there were a handful this year that did decide to go back to school, including P.J. Washington from Kentucky, who had a pretty good combine, looked like a good small ball five, but maybe more opportunity for him this year back in college. Tyus Battle from Syracuse, Jalen Hands, Ethan Happ, and then the guy that I know you really like, Charks, Jonte Porter from Missouri decided to go My back guy. to school. Hashtag Team Jonte. Hashtag the best porter. The thing with John Taylor will be interesting to watch next year in Missouri. They have uh, Jeremiah Tillman. And we'll see if Quanzo can build a good team that spaces the floor. They're losing their point guard. So I think it's smart for him to go back considering where he was expected to go drafted. But I am a little worried about Quanzo's uh, ability to manage a roster. I think Washington was really big. The biggest thing for him was Gabriel and Vanderbilt going pro. That should give Washington a lot of opportunity in Kentucky. He could have a really, really big year if the front court's a little less crowded, I think. Yeah, Charles, I thought P.J. Washington had a really good NBA combine as well in both scrimmages. To me, he looked like a type of player that I know you like a lot and is important in today's NBA, a potentially versatile guy who can defend multiple positions up to three or four positions. But also, he did display a little bit more of a jumper than he showed at Kentucky. I thought he had good form, good touch. His numbers aren't great, but again... That's a nice extra wrinkle for a big man that projects as a versatile guy. If he can extend his range to three, if he can do that over returning at Kentucky, I think it would be huge for him going into what is a weaker draft class next year. And just a few rumors, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported the Nuggets could use the number 14 pick in the draft to dump Kenneth Fareed's contract. Finally, they've been trying to dump him forever. The thing is, he only has one year, $13.7 million left. Only one year left now, but Sharks, who are some teams that you think are a match to absorb Fareed's salary if it means adding that 14th pick? I'm going to pound my fist right now. The Mavericks better take this pick. Let's Dallas, go. quit being ambitious. Dallas. Quit chasing DeMarcus Cousins. We're rebuilding here. We need these picks. Just take it. Take the hit. We need more lottery picks. I think Dallas for sure. 
Atlanta, Sacramento, the Nets probably. I think those four teams have the space. They're all rebuilding. I think it's honestly a no-brainer for all four of them to just grab this guy and grab that pick. So what exactly would they be giving up? Like, I mean, it would be peanuts. But Nothing. Yeah. Like a trade exception or something. Well, that's what it used to be like. This is what it used to be like in the old days, like really just seven years ago, where teams would give up their first round picks in order to dump salary. That's the cost of doing it. We saw it in last year's draft too, with Toronto getting rid of Damare Carroll in order to dump yeah, him I on think the it's, Nets. It's, it's, it's worth pointing out, Denver almost has to do this because of the Jokic contract. Like if they keep Fareed and re-sign Jokic now, they're going to be way in the luxury tax for a decent to not, but not great team. So I think they have to do it. Do you agree, Danny? Is this something they have to do? Oh, uh, I don't really know their their cap situation. Like, I know they've been trying to get rid of Fareed. I know they've been trying to get rid of Wilson Chandler. At this point, actually, yeah, because I mean, Millsap is making how much money? He's like the third highest. Twenty nine point seven million. Yeah, and then thirty point five next year. He's the third highest played pay- player in the league, right? Yeah, and here's a tough thing. So right now they have Jokic at like one point five million. Right. But if they don't re-up him now, taking the one-year offer, he'll be unrestricted next year. And they can't afford to put him on the market, I don't think. They have to pay him now, which means someone else has got to go financially. Unless they're going to pay a ton of money to the whole team. Yeah, and if you think, think about it, like $13.7 million isn't that much for one year. Like, I'm pretty sure the Nets, who have been doing this for seemingly the past two years, they'll definitely eat that contract. Their salary cap books look pristine in the next year or two. I would eat it right up. One year, $13.7 million for the 14th pick in the draft. Are you for real? That is too sweet of a deal for any team with cap space to take. I mean, there's a lot of good players in that range for that sure. are going to be available. Whether it's a Robert Williams, a rim-running center, a Colin Sexton point guard could be available there, a Lonnie Walker, an athletic 3 and D wing. There's a ton of guys at that 14th pick that you would love to have a shot at. Maybe the next Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, exactly. And Denver knows about trading out of that pick last year, unfortunately. (laughs) I could see actually them doing like the Brooklyn getting that 29. So Brooklyn pays like that money to go up from like 29 to 15. That would kind of make sense for both teams. Basically what happened last year with Utah. There's another rumor this week from Sporting News' Sean Devaney, who reported that the Celtics have interest in trading up in the draft for the longest human in the universe. Texas center Mo Bamba. Bill Simmons and I were at dinner last night with Tommy Alter and John Gonzalez and, and Bill and I argued about Bamba's future in the NBA, kind of like, you know, we have in past podcasts. But I think Bamba would be a guy for Boston to trade up for. I think he'd be a great piece that they're lacking, a young big man to groom behind Al Horford. And this is a question submitted from Jay Sharp. Is he, is he the guy worth trading up for, Danny? And if not, is there a guy worth losing their assets for? Yeah, I, I had a similar discussion with Bill a couple weeks ago. I laid out my perfect plan for Mo Bamba. Here is my plan. You teach him how to shoot threes from like 32 feet out as a trailer on a break. <laughs> 32 feet? Yes. That seems really far, isn't it? It's pretty far, but think about his arms and think about like how much like distance <laughs> guess, that, yeah. that shortens for the shot. He would be completely unguardable if he shoots that shot. But anyway, like for the Celtics, it's obviously an ideal situation for him and for pretty much any player drafted in the lottery. He wouldn't really feel the pressure to become, you know, oh, he's Rudy Gobert with a jump shot. He can kind of work his way up and kind of maybe replace Aaron Baines's role as they move forward. But if I'm moving up, I think I'd rather get a player who can kind of emulate the things that Al Horford already does right now. And I think that's Jaron Jackson. Oh, I was hoping for Wendell Carter. I was hoping for Wendell Carter. <laughs> Hashtag Team Jaron. 
<laughs> you had me so excited, Danny. So would you rather have Bomba or Wendell if you're a Celtics guy? I have Bomba ranked as, as a So you have Bomba over Carter? Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay. So Bomba, but I look, it depends on where these guys fall, and it's the type of thing where what is the price? How much are you giving up to move to the sixth pick in the draft? If you're not giving up a player, well, like what gets it done? I'm curious. What do you guys think? Is something like Terry Rozier, the Kings pick, and the Grizzlies top eight protected pick next year enough? Or would a team trade out of the draft entirely for that? Devaney said Jalen Brown, which obviously the Mavs would do in a second, but I don't think that's really realistic, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I brought that up last night either, and we, we all kind of agreed. We, we don't think Boston would do that either. Yeah. Boston Herald's Mark Murphy refu- actually refuted Devaney's report this morning and said, on Boston's interest in moving up for Bamba, a league source said, quote, don't waste your time on that one. We just did anyway. <laughs> but so it's time to move on to your questions. But first, a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Today's draft class is brought to you by Sonos. Hey, Isaac, let me tell you about Sonos. Sure. Sonos has changed my life, Isaac. Really has. Ever since Sonos sent me the, the home theater system, the play base with a Sonos One speaker, every morning when I'm cooking breakfast, I just say, hey, Alexa, please play whatever. And it plays it for me. I don't even need to touch a button, but if I want to, I can because they have this great app where you're able to switch between the television sound to music. So sometimes during the NBA playoffs, I was listening to music while watching the games if I wanted to get away from the broadcast sound for a little bit and then go back to it in the fourth quarter when I really wanted to be ingrained in the game because it does make you feel like you're there. I love my Sonos Isaac. I really do. It, it gives a, I know you're not a big fan of live concerts, but it gives a live experience. That sounds incredible. It is. And now Sonos is offering the listeners of the Ringer NBA show 10% off of one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. The offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code THERINGERNBA10. That's capital, all capital letters, THERINGERNBA10 at Sonos.com to receive this offer. And now, let's get into your questions. Thank you again, everybody, for submitting your questions. First up, from at McKellips Tyler. Since Luka Doncic has been rumored to be falling, do you believe that any team would trade up for him? And if so, who? And Tyler added, I could see teams trading up and taking on Chandler Parsons' contract from the Grizzlies if Doncic is still at four. What do you think, Charks? Man, I think Memphis... They would have to think about it. They probably wouldn't do it. But if they can get off Chandler Parsons' contract, that would just be like, that's paying a steep price if you're going to get off that monster deal. Do they have any other picks that they have to give out? Well, they got that Celtics pick going out at some point. Yeah. So that pick, I believe, is top eight protected in 2019, top six protected in 2020, and then becomes unprotected in 2021. See, I, so I think they're thinking rough. next year that pick is gone. I think they're th- so. I think they want to get a young guy here because probably next year they don't have a pick. Yeah. I think that's their plan. Well, I think Memphis, Memphis, they're going to get Marcus All back. They're going to get Mike Conley back. They're going to have a competitive team. I could easily see them fighting for the eight seed, maybe ending up as the ten spot. And if you're in that slot, that means you're going to defer the pick to Boston. It will just be pick like. 11 or pick 12, which is fine. You'd be happy with that if you're the Celtics, I would think. But if you're the Grizzlies, maybe you'd be better off bottoming out and retaining that pick. 
Well, they're not going to do that. I mean, they got, they're pretty committed to Gasol and Conley, it sounds like. Well, that's why, as Tyler brought up, the Parsons angle is interesting because let's say, I don't know, the Clippers. Let's say the Clippers call up and they're offering the 12th pick, the 13th pick, Tobias Harris, Patrick Beverly, and a future, some Ooh, other I would future do that in a second. For four and Parsons. Would you take that if you were the Grizzlies? Yeah, for the, as the Grizzlies, yeah. You guys would, both of you. You're competitive now and you get two lottery picks. Like, that's pretty great. Like, find the middle path there. I mean, I would do that. Even if Luke is at four, though, you do it. Oh, I don't think he's going to be at four. So, I mean, if he's there, I have to really love Luka Doncic. I would still think about it because, like, you're getting two good players now, two lottery picks, and dumping Parsons. That could save your whole franchise. I think I'd probably True. still do it. Or, or it could ruin it because you're not taking Chandler Parsons. Even if theoretically Luca's camp was like, we don't want to play in Memphis. We don't want to be there. Are you really going to take that threat serious? Are you really going to let him Eli Manning you? Or are you just going to do it I think it anyway? it's more about dumping Parsons' contract, really. Like, that would just be, I mean, that is freaking, talk about a sunk cost, that contract. Yeah, but, but then what are you doing with your cap space? I mean, look, it's a horrible deal, but he only has two years left. He'll be a free agent in 2020. It's not like he has four years left or anything like that. It's not, it's not going to murder them. It has, but it's not going to pass 2020. I mean, it kind of is. If you have Tobias Harris there, you're a much better team. And you want to compete sure. now. Yeah. So you have Tobias Harris and you have two picks. That's kind of the thing. It, it kind of hits two birds with one stone. It keeps them competitive. It keeps, you know, young blood flowing through the team. Um, and it dumps Parsons' contract. I, I don't see how the, the Grizzlies turn that down, especially given the way we've seen how their franchise has kind of dealt with the idea of tanking, at least. Isaac, would you do that deal if you were the Clippers? I would not. Because remember the Blake Griffin deal that went down this year? The reason why they made that, a big reason why they made that, was to free themselves from a long-term, potentially crippling contract, right? And Parsons, I get it. He has two years left as opposed to Blake, who has a lot more than two years left and gets paid more than Parsons. But if you're Jerry West and you just got rid of your most beloved player of the franchise to free up cap space, you're not going to immediately strap yourself again. Maybe your goal was to get a star player. And maybe if you really, really think Luka is that and you really, really think Luka is going to be there at four, maybe you make that deal. But you would have to be certain that Luca is there at four. Well, I mean, I think you make it on draft night. Yeah, you do it on draft day, right? You do it beforehand, yeah. In which case, I understand that argument more. At the same time, I don't think I'd, I'd do it just because Luca, as much as we love him here at the Ringer, any draft pick, really, not, no one's a sure pick, right? Maybe LeBron, maybe Anthony Davis is a sure pick, but even Anthony Davis got injuries. Like, I don't think putting your hopes and dreams into one basket, strapping yourself from the cap for the next two off seasons. I don't know if that's a smart move. Well, I think because that means you do that, you're rebuilding. Like that means we're not going to be competitive now. I think Clippers want to be competitive now, I'd imagine. Yeah, Steve Ballmer doesn't want to lose like three seasons in a row just to maybe have a chance to contend for the championship. Ballmer wants a star. Jerry West wants a star. Yeah. The Clippers want a star. And if they can find that player with the fourth pick, whatever pick, I re reported this last week, that they do want to move up. So it does make sense if it's Luca or Michael Porter, whoever the player it is that they perceive as that top player, if they have a chance to go get him, I think they should. But the real interesting thing to me, and we touched on this a little bit last week, but I think it's worth getting into it briefly again now, a question from Theo Hendricks. Why are we seeing Luka Doncic drop to fourth and fifth in mocks anyway, Danny? 
Well, I mean, it could be a smokescreen. Like, um, I, I, yeah, yep. I, I think this is a case where the Kings want to kind of play hard to get. Maybe there have been early rumors about how, you know, Bill Duffy and Doncic's camp doesn't necessarily want him to be going to Sacramento at number two. And so this could all just be a game of shreds for all we know. It could be uh, what well, my conspiracy theory and don't read into this at all. But if it's true, I always that, do. I always believe <laughs> in the conspiracy theory. <laughs> it, 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 if it's true that Lucas camp doesn't want him in Sacramento. If I'm Sacramento, I would put out the noise. Well, we don't want him. Like, cause there was noise at the NBA draft combine at Sacramento. Yeah. They're not all about Luca. They want Marvin Bagley. They want Michael Porter. They're not really that hot for Luca Doncic. But if you really are, you're just going to put it out there that you don't want him, even if you do, because you know you can't have him anyway. That's my conspiracy theory. For that, that might explain why he's dropping. All of a sudden, it's baffling to me. Next question from Trevor Zitgraf. This is a really good last name. Oh, shout Zit- out Trevor. Zitgraf. I know that guy. Yeah, you do. Trevor Zitgraf. Great last name. He asks, should the overblown defensive concerns for Jason Tatum and Ben Simmons in the past be applied to DeAndre Ayton? The raw tools are there, so the rest can be coached up, right? And... I think, sure, the concerns might have been overblown for those guys, but we can't undersell the importance that situation played in the success of both Tatum and Simmons in Boston and Philadelphia, respectively. Those guys fell into ideal developmental situations that empowered them, obviously, on both ends of the court to score, to pass, to playmake, but also they're in a situation in a defense-first culture surrounded by other good defensive players like Joel Embiid and Al Horford and so on and so forth. If Simmons is in the with the Lakers or Tatum goes to the Suns or the Kings, those guys might not be playing defense at the level that they did as rookies, right, Danny? Yeah. The thing is, we're using Jason Tatum and Ben Simmons as comparisons here, and both of them were impact players on serious playoff teams, whereas Aiton is probably going to be drafted by the Suns, who were the worst franchise of the past three years. I I think one point of comparison that Sharks would probably bring up is Carl Anthony Towns. He was so much further along on defense than Aiton was in their respective college careers, and we've seen how much he struggled on that end. Even like, you know, three three seasons into his NBA career. Yeah, I think, and like what Kevin was saying, like Aiden's going to have to be the Embiid or the Horford for his team. He doesn't get to play, he's a five. There's going to be nobody helping him out on defense. And it's a whole different animal being the five, anchoring a defense, quarterbacking the coverage, protecting the rim. That is way, way more harder than what Simmons and Tatum had to do, which is guard one man, switch screens. Being the five is really, really hard defensively. And that's probably worth emphasizing. The town's point, still really baffles me because with with Carl Anthony Towns he was he had flaws at Kentucky but he was still a very good overall defensive player who projected as a guy who can make an impact early and then he goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves where he's mentored by Kevin Garnett and then he has Tom Thibodeau as his head coach and then Jimmy Butler's his teammate everything was okay. there for him I got a theory about that I got a cat take to go why his defense has struggled so my theory is Towns gets to Minnesota And they're kind of like, hey, man, be like Clint Capella, set hard screens, roll hard to the rim, protect the rim, play defense. He's like, bro, I can get 50 points in a game. Like, let me get my shots, please. I'm 21. I'm not trying to play great defense, trying to get my stats up, get my shoe contract. Because like, look at his development as a player. I think when Towns is 25, 26, he'll be like, okay, I've gotten my stats. Time for me to start winning. But I think right now he wants to get his stats, which is understandable given how skilled he is. And that's somewhere with Aiden too. 
And Towns did get his stats. <laughs> like he averaged twenty five and more, twelve though. last season, and then twenty. I know he can get thirty probably. Yeah, and, you know and I'm saying oh, like he can sure. get even more points. His rookie year stat line was on par with Tim Duncan's. Honestly, if if we don't count wins or whatever, just looking at the raw numbers, just his offense. Yeah, just yeah, his, offense. his offensive numbers were incredible. So yeah, I, I mean, I get it. He wants to be, show what he can do. He doesn't want to like die on like fight through screens and quarterback the defense. I mean, that's a lot of work. Right now, he wants to score. That's my that's my take on it. And Towns is also still only twenty two years old. Right. I mean, it, yeah, it can take, take a while. Yeah. It, it takes a while for a big man to develop the instincts and the understanding and the knowledge, everything that it takes to essentially be the quarterback of the defense. It's not an easy job, as you said, Sharks. And I don't know if it's as much as he just wants to get his stats. It's, it's just a steep, steep learning curve for, for a young big man to take that on. There also is the kind of liberation aspect of it. Like, he was asked to be, you know, a post-up, back-to-the-basket big man under Cal. And when you're drafted as, like, the franchise player of a team, you know, they're going to give you the liberty to kind of, like, spread your wings and stuff, so... I think he just kind of wanted to take advantage of it. Doesn't that. that sound exactly like Aiden, though? He was posting up a lot of Arizona on a really cramped floor with bad guards. You can get to the NBA, and he's going to be like, man, I'm about to get buckets. That's what I think's going to happen with Aiden, too. Is Aiden ahead of Jar- Jackson for you, Charks? Or are you I don't. I got Jaron. I got Jackson at Aiden. And Danny, you also have yeah, no, Aiden, I, too, like I do, right? I still have Aiden at number two. I just can't really get over his, his physical superiority over pretty much every player in this draft, even though we have every two human other being freaks. on Earth, really. We have two other, like, just complete freaks at center, and yet Aiden just stands, like, in a different tier with them. He's got the body for the game. I mean, you yeah. they talk a lot about guys who come to the league with a man's body. He's, he's ready to play from day one. No, he has a Superman's body. Like, that guy should be, like, on Mount Olympus. DeAndre Ayton certainly does have a Superman body. And we're going to get to more of your super questions. But first, we have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Today's draft class is brought to you by Burrow. Burrow has reinvented the luxury couch. From style to shipping, Burrow's put the time and thought into furniture buying so you don't have to. Customize your Burrow sofa to fit your personality by selecting the color, size, and armrest height that's perfect for you. It's super comfortable and adaptable. If your space changes, the modular design allows it to move and grow with you. Burrow assembles and disassembles in just minutes with no tools required. So when it comes time to move, Burrow gives you one less thing to worry about. With stain-resistant fabric and a built-in USB charger, Burrow has the durability and functionality to keep up with your hectic life. All Burrow furniture is shipped fast and shipping free. Enjoy 30 days of cozy on your Burrow risk-free or try out Burrow at one of their showrooms today. Burrow actually sent one of their couches to our studio at the Ringer and everybody's loving it. Like nobody's doing work anymore. They're just laying down because it's too comfortable. It's beautiful. And it's nice to know if we ever change offices, we'll be able to change the Burrow design as well. So if you want $75 off your order, visit burrow.com slash NBA. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash NBA for $75 off your purchase. And now some quick hits. We're back. We're going to do a quick hit segment to blow through some of your questions, and then we're going to end this on a couple of the good ones that we're saving for the end. But let's start off with this from Jack Anderson. Which draft prospect is most likely to use a burner account? I'm going to say right now, like DeAndre doesn't need a burner account. I interviewed him last year at the McDonald's game. I've never heard a player drop so many takes. Yeah, he'll just say it. He doesn't care. 
We'll put his name on his takes. It's Trey Young for me because he's going to get a lot of jokes about his hair. So he might need to respond to those. This is true. Brother. He's got a. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like it would be a, a low profile guy, someone who's maybe not in the lottery right now. For some reason, the guy who comes out in my mind is Raleigh Alkins. Uh, a guy Hashtag Savage Life. Yeah, very, very savvy with his brand, <laughs> but might, you know, be doing some, you know, underground stuff. I don't know. Next question from at N Primetime from Nick. Which player in the draft class are you relying on to save you from a burning building, Danny? Jared Vanderbilt, definitely. If if I'm falling from a window, he's definitely getting the board there. He's grabbing me, you know, good hands, quick reaction. I think I'm safe with him. He's best rebounder in the draft. I think that's a good bet. For me, it's Jacob Evans, small forward from Cincinnati. Plays hard. I think he'd be willing to do whatever it takes to save me from a burning building. I'm relying on you, Jacob. How about you, Charles? Guys, isn't the obvious answer Mo Bamba? Look at those arms. He <laughs> pluck you out of the building from the first floor. Get you out of the third floor. That's easy. Mo Bamba. Speaking of long arms, a question from DJ Marasco. Can Charks dunk? Oh, Can my Charks? goodness. I once caught an alley oop and kind of dunked it when I was like sixteen. Oh. But I've, I've never, I don't, I've never actually dunked on my own. I'm a blow the rim player, fellas. Blow the rim. What What does kind of dunk mean? Yeah, I caught it and I threw it in the basket and went in. You know what I mean? Like like a Superman, like, like was, Dwight Howard. Well, it was near the rim. I caught and threw it at the basket. You know what I'm saying? Like I grabbed the rim, I threw it at the brim, I caught the rim and it went in. I don't know if it's technically a dunk though. You know what I mean? That sounds like a violation. Yeah. <laughs> no, like the ball's near the rim. I caught it and then I grabbed it and put it at the rim and I grabbed the rim and the ball went in. So Offensive like, I basket dunk, interference. But yeah, I don't know if it counts or not. I mean, I'm, not, I'm a blow the rim player, fellas. I hate to break it to you though. I have dunked on lowered rims, but that's pretty much about it. How about you, Danny? I have Photoshopped myself dunking. Um, nice. Really? Yes. Hashtag blog boy. You should make that your Twitter header photo. I want to see this. Uh, it's a really bad Photoshop, but it was pretty convincing to the people of Facebook. I love bad Photoshops. Okay. Yeah, I'll bad pull it up. Bad Photoshops are great. Please send that over. Next question from at Lawyer Barrett. Who's the best, quote, if he could shoot player in the draft? Who is it, Danny? I think it's uh, Jared Vanderbilt, the guy who's going to save me from a burning building. I mm. He's, you know, he's clearly a very, very gifted defensive player. He kind of knows how to play the game. He can run the floor, make the great pass. The only thing is he just throws up bricks. Yeah, I, I would also say it's Vanderbilt. And he's also kind of the, he's also the, if he could stay healthy player in the yeah, draft for as sure. well. Suffered a lot of leg injuries throughout his career. But man, I, I if he's healthy, I, I think he's going to be a player for a long time. The question yeah, I like is really health more, more so than the shot. I think one more guy to put in there is um, Trayvon Duvall. Like if that guy could shoot threes like consistently, he'd be a real player. That guy is a crazy athlete. Great size for a point guard. Decent passer, but he can't save his life. He actually is revising his shooting mechanics right now with at shot mechanics on Twitter. Coach Colin Castellaw, he has a YouTube channel and he's been working with Trayvon Duvall. Nice. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe Duvall comes back with an improved jump shot. You never know sometimes with these guys. I think the most important thing for a shooter is they have to have the willingness to change their mechanics and to commit to that. Next question from at J.O. Who will be the better NBA player? Gary Trent? Or Grayson Allen, Sharks. I don't know. Kevin, you're, you have some Grayson Allen takes, right? I, I don't know about that one. What's your take on Grayson? I think Grayson has been quite underrated. There's too much conversation on the, the tripping stuff. I, I don't care. I don't care about him I tripping. I mean, I care. I care about him tripping players. You can't do but that. But he is a hardworking, feisty, gritty player who can drain threes 
and he's a really good athlete and he rebounds and he can pass. Yes, he's not a super explosive guy who will dunk on people and he's going to have issues perhaps defending, but as a late first round pick or early to mid second round pick, sign me the hell up for a guy like Grayson Allen with his mentality on the floor. To me, it's Grayson Allen, even though Gary Trent was better at the NBA combine than he was all last season. Grayson, to me, has steel potential easily. I'll go with Grayson, too, but I'll just say that if he has this whole Draymond flailing limb thing, I don't think he's good enough to be on that level of like, oh, I'm going to trip you and you're just going to forget about it. No, I think I think players are going to take huge offense if he pulls I mean, I any think of that he's shit. A personality. He's a personality evaluation, really. Like, he's got game for sure. It just what's going on in that head of his. From Maranter. Who is the best irrational confidence guy in the J.R. Smith swaggy P mold in this year's class? I mean, that's easy, isn't it? That's got to be the MJ of Delaware, a.k.a. the Big Ragu, a.k.a. Dante DiVincenzo. Here at the national title game, that guy will not have two shots. That guy's got all kinds of swag. Do you sign off on that as well, Danny? Or do you yeah. have somebody else in nah, mind? It's definitely the redheaded guy who dropped like 33 points in the national title game. Yeah. <laughs> One, one other guy it could be, maybe just throw another name out there, Josh Okoji. I like him a lot at the NBA Draft Combine. Sometimes he steps away from his lane that you would expect as a 3 and D guy and jacks up some shots. A lot of confidence. That's okay. I don't mind an irrational confidence guy, especially because I think there's a little bit more to his game that he hasn't, hasn't quite developed yet. But maybe in a, in a situation where he doesn't get to the level that you want. That confidence does turn into irrational confidence, and you'd rather him not have it. Yeah, I, another guy too, uh, Malik Newman from Kansas. That guy yes, has a very a high one. opinion of himself, and he'll take shots if he gets the ball. There's no question about that. That's a really good one. Moving on to some longer-ended questions from Alex Manasier. The Warriors have bought two second-round draft picks that have yielded decent role players two years in a row now, Patrick McCaw and Jordan Bell. What goes through a GM's head when they sell a pick, and in what situation might it be the right choice? I mean, I think the first thing worth pointing out, I don't think any GM wants to sell a pick. That's purely ownership. That's not really a basketball decision. That's straight about cash. Yeah, it certainly is ownership. It's not a GM is not going to deal a pick unless they have to. It's like we talked about earlier with Kenneth Fareed. You will deal that pick if you need to dump a salary. That's when it makes sense. You'll deal the pick if you literally are up against the tax and you can't add another body. We already have 15 roster spots and you're better off getting rid of it and taking on cash. Then it makes some sense. But when it doesn't make sense is when the ownership is just cheap and they don't want to add a player for whatever godforsaken reason there is, like last year when the Bulls traded that pick that ultimately yielded Jordan Bell for the Golden State Warriors. I don't get when teams do that. That, to me, is just when it's unforgivable. But it's not the GM. It is the ownership, as you said, Sharks. From Francis Parker, I know Jonathan Sharks was high on Miles Bridges. Do his height and wingspan measurements concern you guys? And just to give some quick context, Miles Bridges measured in at six foot seven with a six foot nine and a half wingspan and eight foot seven standing reach. I mean, it's definitely a concern. I wish he was longer, but there's always flaws in prospects. And I believe he has the same measurements as PJ Tucker. He's such a big-bodied guy, such a broad-shoulder, explosive guy. I think he can make it work without the length, though. It'd be nice to have, obviously. I've looked around and tried to pinpoint P.J. Tucker's wingspan because yeah, that it's was... not really out there. So it's, it's, like it's the, somewhere between six foot nine and seven foot. So, like watching him play, it looks like he has a seven foot wingspan. He's just out there. 
He's bodying dudes, but he's also like really reaching for the ball. And you could see how long his arms are. But yeah, there's no real measurement for that. It's certainly interesting because I think, you know, obviously length matters a ton. L- length is incredibly important. And I don't want to undersell that. However, I don't think you should necessarily drop a guy down your board if you project him as a PJ Tucker type of player. If he plays with that intensity and that's how you value him as a rebounder, as a defender with a mindset like that then you're not going to drop him just because his wingspan's a little bit shorter than what you would hope for. The question ultimately with Bridges, Miles Bridges from Michigan State, that is, is with defensive effort, you know, will he continue to maintain that effort on the end of the floor? Like P.J. Tucker, that dude, we saw him in the Western Conference Finals. Unstoppable. Yeah, P.J. is like uh, Patrick Beverly. Like those guys went to Ukraine, they said, we are not going back. Some of the rebounds he was pulling down for Houston. It was ridiculous. Unbelievable. I don't care if his wingspan is seven foot one or six foot eight. The dude's effort and intensity, intelligence, reading the floor, bodying guys, that's what made the significant difference for him, more so than if he had a couple extra inches on his arms. Granted, that helps, um, but it's, it's his mentality that separates him from other guys. This PJ Tucker's a guy who spent five years overseas after his first chance in the NBA. Five years! And he came back a much better player. And he's been highly successful ever since coming back in the 2012-13 season. He's been fantastic. So, Charks, you you brought up P.J. Tucker as a physical comp, but is that someone who you're looking at and being like, hmm, team should maybe look at Tucker as a guy to kind of, you know, use as a template for Bridges? Uh, not necessarily. It's more like it's survivable, not having great arms if you're really, really strong and you're thick and you're explosive. I mean, they're not that similar players. Right. I think Miles obviously is a whole different kind of offensive player. And then the defense isn't there like PJ's. It was more just like it's a survivable size body is all I was saying. So here are some guys with similar-ish measurements to Miles Bridges. Trevor Booker, Solomon Hill, Landry Fields, Joey Graham, Jared Dudley, Chuck Hayes, Alonzo G. Similar-ish body types. Those guys all survived. Was that Landry Fields after he, he got juiced up or before? <laughs> after <laughs> we'll go with after Danny <laughs> and that's why I like uh, Miles because he has like this enforcer bulky body but he's so skilled like he's shooting threes like he's you know off off catch threes off dribble threes like he's this weird hybrid of a player I mean he's gonna be really fast and gotta watch next year because he's such an unusual guy and he's an unbelievable athlete Right. right. Yeah. So if he if, if he's a little bit shorter, he kind of makes up for it with his vertical jumping up for rebounds. He's a great rebounder, and I think he could become a great defender in time as well. Last question from at Max Ubanis. A bit out there, but could teams potentially look to trade out of this year's draft and into next year's, even though this year is a quote unquote better draft since the high-end talent this year is largely bigs, whereas next year is full of more wings. Is this something you would consider, Charks, or would it not make sense because of the wealth of talent in this year's lottery? I mean, I don't think so. I think like if you were trading down, maybe, and they're going to give you a pick for next year, but these teams are top lottery. They're bad. They need good players now. They can't wait another year for a good young player. I think that's a little too long-term perspective for teams that kind of have to improve and sell their fans some hope next season. Yeah, the the idea of the Hawks trying to sell their fan base on another year of playing a bunch of D2 guys, just I don't think that's that's a feasible reality for them. I, I think they have to definitely go for a surefire prospect right now. I mean, I'd be down to trade down and get a pick, but I think trading out is ambitious. Yeah, we certainly did see 
in last year's draft, how trading down can make sense. Boston traded from one to three and picked up a future pick. So not only did they trade down, they also added a future pick. I think, I think that's the formula, not outright trading out of a draft, but trading down and then adding additional picks, whether it's in this year's draft or in future drafts. I think the only way you would trade out, Danny, is in a situation where if you're Atlanta or let's say Phoenix, you have your second first round pick at number 16, and there's not another young player you want to draft. Maybe you trade out of that pick into next year's draft, but I don't think you're going to trade a top eight, top 10 pick out of the draft entirely, unless you're getting a lot back. But middle of the draft, end of the first round, I don't have a problem with trading out at all. In fact, I think it could be quite smart for some teams to do. I think Phoenix at 16, that's could be moved for sure. That's a very movable piece one way or the other. Whether it's for a player or a future pick, it would not surprise me. They have so many young guys already. Fingers crossed for Terry Rozier. Hey, scary Terry. Get him a starting job. Drafted number 16 a couple years ago. I think the Celtics might want a little bit more than that after his playoff run. Granted, he kind of plummeted plummeted his stock in that game seven with some of those shots. Oof. Rough. Rough game for Terry. But a good overall playoff. It's all we have time for for questions, which means, Isaac, we're ready for grades. Sure. Hey, Isaac, give the listeners, give them an A. That was good questions. Sure. I will give all the listeners an A, except for Francis Parker, who questioned Miles Bridges' height and wingspan. (laughs) I did not take kindly to that. Don't come at my guy, Miles Bridges. But everyone else, you got an A. As for you guys, let me start with Charks. I'm disappointed to hear that you've never dunked uh, and you've only <laughs> done a, like a pseudo dunk with the uh, offensive basket. I've pseudo, pseudo dunked. Give me my props. I'm in no position to judge. I'm five ten, but you're also like six five, six four, six four, whatever. But Same you're difference. You're right. It is. It is embarrassing. What's your wingspan, Charks? I gotta get that measured. I, I can't. This is too important to just guess. We'll have to get it measured. <laughs> Next time you're you're in LA, we're gonna have to give you your measurements. The NBA ringer combine. <laughs> but hey, like let's let's give Chark some credit. He he had to play against actual like NBA players growing up in Dallas. Like he played against West John or West Johnson, right? Yeah, no, I saw him play a lot. Oh, I never okay. played against him. I tell you the story about Darrell Arthur. I were getting oh that was a guy oh, I played. Yeah, yeah yes. Darrell Arthur wrecked me, and I was like, my career is over. The NBA is not happening. <laughs> well, for that, you get a D plus. Oh. Hey, Darrell Arthur, 10-year NBA vet. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O. Conspiracy. You had a oh, nice boy. little theory about the Sacramento Doncic publicity chest that's going on. I think that was a really fun theory that I don't actually know if either the Sacramento front office or Doncic's team are wily enough and or as scheming enough to make those plays. Isn't that kind of something out of elementary school, though? Like if you have a crush on a girl and you find out that she doesn't like you back and you're like, I don't want her anyway. Oh, here we go. I'm here for Kevin O'Connor's dating stories. It feels like a pretty elementary conspiracy. (laughs) Uh, Sure. I think you just revealed a lot more about yourself than about the Sacramento (laughs) Kevin Kevin O'Hart to get. (laughs) Kevin O'Hart to get. Uh, Kevin O'Hart sick. Yeah, Kevin O'Hartzik is actually probably oh the better God. one. So you get a C for conspiracy. Thank you. And last but not least, Danny Chow, you photoshopped yourself dunking. That's something. And uh, you're a man of many talents. Also, a very nice Landry Field slant. I think he's a scout now or something. Yeah, is he? he's, he, yeah he's an NBA I believe scout. So. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Well, you get an A minus, Danny. Oh, thank you. Stanford, right? Yeah. Stanford grade, yeah. 
Anyway, the Gorillas just dropped a new track called Humility, and I, and I want to listen to that, so we're out of time. Um, Jonathan, that was fun. Thank you for calling in from Dallas. Yeah, and thanks for the listeners. Those are great questions. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Yes, beautiful questions. Danny and Isaac out there in LA. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, man. I look forward to seeing you back here on the good part of California. Oh, Ooh. nice. <laughs> well, well, from here in San Francisco, thank you so much for listening to Draft Class. Please rate The Ringer NBA Show five stars on iTunes. Give it a thumbs up. Tell your friend about the show. It means the world. And please check out The Ringer's 2018 NBA Draft Guide at nbadraft.theringer.com. We'll be updating that again very, very soon with more scattering reports. And special shout out to my friend and the biggest NBA fan I know, Elon Musk, who is too down in the dumps to join the show this week because his Rockets lost. Maybe next week, Elon. Anyway, thank you again for listening to the show and for submitting all those awesome questions. Have fun watching the NBA Finals. Peace out. Peace out.